This is dedicated to all the parents. When you're the new father of a daughter, everything seems perfect at the start. Her beautiful face, every coup and every sigh, well, it just warms your little heart. Now my baby girl is getting older Now she's grown into her teens And all her words and actions make it very, very clear What being a man called father truly means It means torture!
know what, yeah. He's going through some stuff. <laughs> He's going through some stuff. And, 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 and thank you. And, um, and Gary's going to be with us in just a couple minutes. We're going we're gonna to have a little chit-chat first, give, give Gary a chance to, to calm from his torture. Um, well, that's what we're going to do. Okay, so, so I, I'm, I'm sporting the, uh, the um, flash dance look because Michael Norrie was in the house yesterday, Louise. It, and I have to tell you, it was pretty extraordinary. For those of you who um, were not with us for Women Who Write or didn't watch it, go watch it. Uh, at the end of Michael's chatting with us for a while. He pulled a chain and water came down. <laughs> that would have been so fun. No, that didn't happen. But Damn. what did happen was he did a little piece of Zorba the Greek, a little piece of Zorba, and then he, he sang Some Enchanted Evening. And oh. my, and let me tell you, it Stop was... Stop it. It, 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 it. That's how he ended, and it was like goosebump, chill-inducing. He was in um, South Pacific with um, Sandy Duncan. Sandy Duncan. And it's the way that um, Michael got the cast opposite Julie Andrews on Broadway and Victor Victoria because yeah. Julie and Blake Edwards went and saw him, as mm -hmm. he told us, mm -hmm. right, mm -hmm. do um, uh, uh, South Pacific. And um, so he did it for us. And it's amazing. And uh, also in the house yesterday, which was crazy, Anthony Federoff, mm -hmm. our, our other good friend, yeah. season four, American Idol, uh, fourth place finalist, um, Anthony, uh, came yesterday and he brought Philippe Praga and uh, KT, I don't remember KT's last name, but he goes by KT. Anyway, they sang a few songs, but one of them, I hope, is going to become the anthem for March for Our Lives. It is the most extraordinary song. It's called Thoughts and Prayers on Stop a Gun. Mm. And it is incredible. And so I'm hoping that our friend David Wilde from last week, who knows Bono and everybody, and Clive Davis, not Clive Davis, Quincy, right, mm -hmm. will maybe get the song in people, some people's hands because it's amazing. It's, and he, it's like we did gang vocals at the end of the song and the whole, it, the song says something like stand up and so everybody in the audience simultaneously just started standing up and then say no and everyone started screaming no. And I could really see at the march, on March 24th, March for Our Lives, mm -hmm. um, it's a perfect anthem for gun control. So that was really exciting. Yeah. We miss you at Women Who Write. Yeah, but I, I have my own podcast. And so tell us about it. Oh, so it's called Things I Found Online. My podcasting co-hosts are Kertz, uh, Larry Morgan, and voiceover great Joe Cipriano. And last night we had uh, uh, Laura Jill Miller, who was Samantha in Give Me a Break with Mel Carter. Nice. Yes, and now she's a voiceover star. She's on all these cartoons. Cool. And we had my friend Mickey Yamashita, who is a... You said that very well. Right, because she <laughs> taught me. Oh. And um, <laughs> the she is a comedian cool. slash opera singer. Oh my. Yeah. That's an interesting combo. Very well-rounded and interesting. Fashion. So Louise is very funny. You wouldn't know it because I don't give her enough opportunity because she is behind the camera so much. But right right now for us is my son Harry Abelson behind the camera. Thank you, Harry. Harry. Um, broadcast journalism major, soon to be a major sportscaster. Harry had his own um, sports uh, radio show um, called In the Booth. And um, what's great about Harry is that he not only knows his sports, but he's hysterically funny. Oh, his, he is. His, yeah, right? Yeah. So his dad yeah. is uh, a, a very 
uh, successful comedy writer and comedian, and uh, he did not get it from me. It's from the other side of the fit, but funny. And so when sports are funny, they're better, especially because yeah. a girl. Then I'm a woman, and it, that whole sexist thing. But yeah, I, I'll watch baseball. I'm not really that into sports, but I'll listen to Harry's sports guests because they're funny. I like the funny. I like the funny with everything. Mm -hmm. The funny works for me with everything, except there are. No, there really aren't exceptions. I like it there too. But anyway, um, thank you, Harry. And um, so what else did I want to talk to you about? So I, you know, we were having a conversation last week because um, as I was talking about it, Women Who Write yesterday, I'm pitching uh, The Road Taken and Women Who Write to get them on Facebook Watch on, so that hundreds of thousands and millions of people will have the opportunity to watch the shows because they're worthy. Mm -hmm. We talk to amazing people, we have incredible conversations, it's fascinating. The people, it, it, it's, it's, it's life lessons, not just for baby boomers who are still trying for to everybody. make it, for everybody. Mm -hmm. This stuff, how somebody came up through the, how they accomplished things, what tools they amassed along their journey, that's valuable for everybody. So while we were talking about, so I was talking to you on the phone last week and I was telling you my plan and all of this stuff and you said to me, and I was saying how I was discouraged because of ageism and the fact that Facebook Watch is looking for the kids. They want the, they want the influencers and the YouTube kids, which are not the people who are, who are on Facebook 24 seven. It's our generation who's on the Facebook, we have our social lives on there, we do business on there, we really are, are dependent upon Facebook. Yeah, but I do think that everyone has their own Facebook. So you have your Facebook experience, and when Harry goes to Facebook, he has a completely different Facebook experience. His feed looks nothing like yours. His feed is really short, and Samantha's never on there, and most kids aren't, because they are on Snapchat, on Instagram, and on YouTube. Is that true, Harry? And they... Tell the you, truth. Yes and no. You use Facebook a lot. You're 23. I you use, use it more than most of my friends do. But, way more. But I, a good, we don't spend as much time on our feed, but we look at it. Mm -hmm. You look at it, but like Samantha doesn't even really, I mean it comes, well, she, she doesn't, doesn't really to, use social media as much as us. Though. Yeah, but she's on Snapchat every day, all day long, and she watches a lot of YouTube. And so I'm just saying that there's a market for baby boomer entertainment in the world yes. and everybody's really resistant to put it on and when we were having this conversation you you said to me last week well maybe we just have to give up maybe they just don't want us and as i, I said, said you that. did say that you did say that never would the words give up you said maybe we have to give up those were your exact words no and i got off the phone and i was like they will pry the microphone out of my cold dead hands. I never hands. would have told Vicki Abelson what? to give up. <laughs> well, it's, not, it's never going to happen. But I no, just... No, what I said was maybe advertisers are done selling to baby boomers because once you're past that 55, whatever they're, the demographics that they measure, maybe they just say, oh, well, you know, they're on their own. We're not targeting them because they have their purchasing habits are set and they're not trying out new products, but there's still gonna be a ton of products that would, that would want us. There are a lot of products, and certainly um, for something like Women <clears throat> Who Write, I can't think of a better sponsor for that than Amazon, Apple, Smart Water. I mean, there's innumerable products that would have gazillions of viewers who would be interested in their product and who use their products. Yeah, and I also don't think that people Harry's age only want to watch people his own age. He's very interested in the people who came before him and and he's not going to just turn I don't it know. off because someone's too old or 
I, th I think that's ridiculous thinking. Well, I, uh, Harry, so tell me. So if I was interviewing somebody that, that interests you, like I'm trying to think of like somebody from Schitt's Creek, like if I got the cast from Schitt's Creek, you'd watch my show, right? 100%. 100%. Okay. So even though it's me, you'd still watch the show because I'm interviewing people that you're interested in. So if like I had Justin Timberlake, for instance, because you know, it just so happens that our guest tonight happened to sing on the Justin Timberlake, Chris Stapleton did you bring Justin? Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I keep him in my car. So, you know, we, we could. And David Wilde, who was with us last week, you know, he's got the inside track to Bono and oh everybody. Uh, to everybody. That guy was fascinating. He is the go-to guy for Dylan McCartney, Ringo. He was for Harrison. I mean, they go to David when they want liner notes. Anything done, he's the guy. He was the editor of the music editor for Rolling Stone for years and writes the Grammys and everything. And he, the independent spirits, Oh God, did I miss them with they this past weekend? I oh my God, I missed don't them. Don't have my award show oh, calendar handy. I, I, oh, and speaking of which, oh. I didn't get to this. Yeah, I want to give a shout out to our sponsors tonight. Rick Smokey, I love you. And I love Zoe Moon, he made her calendar. And he made this great charity um, brochure thing. He does everything, he does my stuff. I show you this week after did week. Did he make this because Gary Stockdale is naked? He, he did not, but I bet he can make those. Yeah. Rick Smokey of Quick Impressions, if you need anything done with printing, just because they're in Chicago, they will get it to you fast. They will give you the best deal. If you're doing anything for charity, they will make it so, they will make it happen for you. They're just the best people. And I like to do business with good people. Mm -hmm. They do great work and they're good people. Win-win. Mm -hmm. And speaking of good people, I finally got um, my hair redone and I'm having good hair days every day. And I'm... Nicole Venables, I love you, um, and I'm not the only one who loves Nicole. She like, she she's on so many um, uh, television shows. She does all the people on the shows. She mm -hmm. does their hair, and she flies all over the place with movie stars, and they take her on set. And she's just so lovely to sit with. And I told her what I wanted, and she did exactly what I what I asked. And yesterday at Women Who Riot, as a matter of fact, a few of the women came up to me and said, you look like you, you haven't looked like you for a while, you look like you, that's your, that's you. So I feel like me, mm -hmm. and that's really wonderful. Nicole Venables of the Ruby Begonia Salon in Studio City. Fabulous. <laughs> um, so anyway, so um, I, I, getting back to the whole Facebook watch thing and making things happen, mm -hmm. and how to do that, you know, I, I sort of hit some walls last week, you know, I, there was some open doors, they kind of closed my face, not at Facebook, but just people that I hoped would get me there. Um, and uh, it was very disheartening on the, one, on the one hand, and then on the other hand, it was like, I didn't know what to do next. Mm -hmm. It's like, what's next? And what I've come to realize, one of my tools that I've amassed along the way is when I don't know what to do, it's kind of do nothing. And it's not do nothing, nothing. Do the next right, the next right action, you know, do the things that I know one foot in front of the other that I have to do next. But then it's also about taking a breath and realizing that I don't have to solve my life's problems right now. Because it's too big and it's overwhelming and then I get paralyzed. So it's about just breathing and, and having faith. Having faith is really tricky, but it just takes one thing like, we don't know who's watching. Let's look at who's watching us out there. Um, um, I want I saw, oh, Scott Krantz. Hi, Scott. We used to work together in rock and roll in New York back in the day. Woody Lewis, Jim McDonald, Al Shez. Al, 
was in the David Letterman band. Um, uh, um, he, horn player, he's fantastic. Rick is watching. Hi, Rick. Um, Penny's with us. Penny. Tony. Tony, yes. Um, Joey Pants. Hi, Joey. Um, yeah, there's Diana. Stephen Kalinich is with us. Oh, Ross. Hi, Ross. Um, yeah, we have wonderful people watching us and... Um, I forgot where I was going with this before I said that. You were saying that when you feel like oh, you're stuck, you, it's time for some self-reflection, and that's okay. And also, we don't know who's watching. We never know who is a person away, who's watching, who's going to say, I know how to make that happen. I can make that phone call. You have never to keep doing great work. You can't get so stuck that you stop doing your great work. Well, you know, the thing is, I, I believe that if we are doing what we love mm -hmm. and if we're passionate about it and if it's of service to others good things will come and that's why i would never tell you to give up that would never come <laughs> out of my mouth thank you thank you I, and i and i won't and, and i can't it's no. just not it's just not in my dna and speaking of my dna i dedicated yesterday to my father larry katz who um uh passed seven years ago at this time and um, my dad is the reason that I do what I do my father was an incredible master of ceremonies with a great voice which he did not give me that part I did some musicals Samantha in my youth Samantha got it yeah it, it's gift to generation but I did get one dimple of the two okay. and and I also just got my, my father introduced people you know I didn't even put it together for about the first five years that I was doing this yeah, I mean, and I didn't even put together that this is what my father did. You're doing his legacy. Yes, I am living his legacy, which is really lovely, which means that he lives on, and, uh, and that's really lovely. And speaking of living on, our guest tonight, oh, does he live? He lives, and he lives, and he lives. So Gary is a multiple Emmy nominee. Mm -hmm. Total show-off guy. How does he get Emmys? So, Sabrina the Teenage Wish, he, he, he's a he's composer. Sabrina. No, he's not Sabrina, but he's a composer. Oh, okay. He also composed the score for the Aristocrats, which one... What? Now, actually, I didn't even think of this till just now. Paul Provenza, who was the filmmaker with Pendulet, who did the Aristocrats, um, was supposed to be here tonight. Oh, yeah. And he told me I was good luck, because as soon as I booked him, he got booked on... Um, what's that show about comedians that's on HBO? He bails on you by telling you you're good luck? He said, yeah, he did. He calls me, I'm at Costco, and he tells me, you're such good luck. I haven't worked for a, a couple weeks, and now as soon as you book me, I got, he got booked on, on that show about the comedians. I can't remember what it's called. disgustingly charming. Up there, something up there? What is it called? Huh? I'm dying up here. I'm dying up here. I think that's the one. He got booked on one of those shows. Okay. And uh, so he's got like a month on the show. He got this. But it's fitting that Gary should be here. Um, because they worked together on the aristocrats. Oh, okay. And uh, and Gary was in Cop Rock with our own Kathleen Wilhoit, which yeah. we'll have to talk about that. But Cop Rock was like iconic singing and copying. It everything. was. It was fantastic. It was way before its time. I think if it, you know, it was short lived. But if it came out now, it would be unbelievable. No. It would be no. unbelievable. If it came out now, it would be a disaster. No, no. Stop. you're not supposed to sing and cop at the same time. Oh. Nobody needs that. Oh, yeah, Glee brought Let's ask Gary. Glee made it all cool again. <laughs> They're not and trying to cop. And speaking of Glee making it all cool again, so Darren Chris from Glee, tonight, our, finally, we've been waiting for weeks, our own Michael Nori is on um, American Crime Story, the um, Johnny Versace assassination, and he's on tonight, in, and he's scenes are all with Darren Chris, who is the most evil person in the world in this mm -hmm. show, playing a real-life 
killer. Yeah, he's a werewolf. He kills what he loves. <laughs> oh. Right, Gary? Right. Yeah. So, so anyway, so that's happening tonight. Okay, so getting back to Gary. Okay. So I, I just want to read. Ross, don't yell at me for reading from the notes. I just, I want to get Gary's, all of the things Ross, that he's done. Oh, he was, he was in the ori original Brian Setzer Orchestra, and I have to ask him if he knows Tommy Burns, who also played with Brian Setzer back in the day. But okay, so Gary has voiced in Star Ro Wars Rogue One, um, Avatar, Star Trek, Beyond, uh, Prince of Egypt, this, The Simpsons, The Family Guy. Oh my God! Okay, so his current um, "Keep Letting Go" is charting, which is crazy. Oh, and and Bukowskical. He has he had a musical Bukowskical, and now he has another one called Bumper Sticker, the musical. And this is his new CD with yeah. the front. Show the On front. the back, he yeah. has clothes. On the front, <laughs> no clothes. No clothes. And what is it called? Keep letting go. It's charting. It's charting on the adult contemporary. That's, that's so cool. <laughs> well, you are Michael Bolton. <laughs> so, wow. Now that there are people who buy adult contemporary. I do. Yes. Hello. Yeah. So we have not aged ourselves out, and he certainly hasn't, because he did that crazy song about his teenage daughter, and yes. it just doesn't get any funnier than Gary. And Gary also does the. The Sit and Spin, Spin Christmas Show. Mm -hmm. He is the he is the band leader. And if you have never been, our guest yesterday at Women Who Write, Maggie Rowe, who has run Sit and Spin for the last fifteen years, which she took over from Jill Soloway, who got a little busy doing trans transparent and all kinds of stuff. But anyway, Maggie runs that, and Gary is the and, and Suzanne Wong and, and, and Jeff Bazin was singing the chorus, and and our own Deborah Pearl, who did the Getting Ed Laid, uh, is the choral director, and they are phenomenal. And, um, and Gary is hysterical, and we are going to find out right now. So, Weezy, thanks for, for being here. We're going to bring Gary. out Gary Stockdale. Hi, darling. I love the fact that you were sitting in the wings and, and chatting with us. Thank you, Harry. These are wings. Thanks, Harry. Thank you, Harry Abelson. Um, so, okay, so welcome, Gary. Thank you. So now we don't have to look at anything anymore. I'm really now. not that funny. You, you I are. just work around a lot of funny people. No, you are hysterically funny. I have heard you be hysterically funny many times. Okay, so we want to know about you. Okay. I really don't know your backstory. Okay. So, so where'd you grow up? Uh, Glendale, California, very close oh, to here. Oh, come on. You yes. grew up five miles away from us? I did, absolutely, yeah. Okay, really? Yeah, Glendale was a, a very different town back then. Like how? Well, I have a song on my CD about it. Uh, it, it, was a, it was a sundown town. No what does that mean, Gary? No black people could, could live there, and if there were any black people who were, live, who were in the area who were working for anybody, they had to have their uniform on. Oh no, no, no. This or is else, true. This is or true? else they would be beaten up, kicked out of town, or jailed, or all three. And, uh, that this was, is like for real yeah, in quiet, California? Burbank was the same way. Oh, well, California had these pockets of racism that were quiet. Wait. Because you remember L.A. Confidential. Of course. Yeah, all the stuff was under the surface. All the stuff was, you know, what I like is, um, there's a, you know, L.A. Confidential's great. I like the, the Elroy books, but I also like the um, Devil in a Blue Dress by Walter Mosley. Because when I you read, read Walter Mosley, well, you saw the, did you ever see the movie with uh, Denzel Washington? It's I'm sure, you movie. know, I actually am sure that I have. But uh, Walter Mosley wrote books about all the people that uh, James Elroy's people were beating up on. So you really get the whole panoply of, of L.A. and what L.A. was about. Yeah, Glendale was how, how long, what, what Glendale was the West, all, all, up until the 70s at least. Um, it was, this it, is it was the West Coast headquarters for the Ku Klux Klan, the John Birch Society, and the American Nazi Party. Oh my God. 
I did not, I, I would never have moved. Well, now I'm, it's totally written, mostly Armenian and every race is there. And that's what I kind of write the song about. Because as I was growing up, I, I, it was always incomprehensible to me. Because my mom, you know, my mom used to hang out and sing with all the jazz musicians uh, uh, in on like Eighth on, on Eighth Street. There was a string of jazz clubs, which uh, which was were going. I've seen the, the picture. Show the picture 50s. of your mom. Oh, <laughs> um, can you see it, Louise? Yeah. Okay, that I love your mom. That's my mom. She was great. She was a singer, and she has a seventy-eight RPM uh, a demo record of her with Oscar Moore and Johnny Moore as her backup band. Oscar Moore was in the King Cole trio with Nat King Cole. That's and crazy. So I, I'd like to think she was dating all the jazz musicians out there, you know. But uh, and you're you're, you're yeah. No, I'm as no. white as can be. Yeah, you are. You can cover I know that. who my dad was. <laughs> I, I've never done this before, but can you sing us that song, like right now? The one she sang? No, the the one you're talking about that you wrote about Glendale. Oh well, I need a keyboard. Oh okay, but we'll, uh, we'll do it's it called, time. It's called um, my old hometown. I did. I I never knew this. Oh, yeah. This is Glendale, Orange County, Burbank, all these places. Till the seventies. Yeah, if you look at the in the deeds of houses back in those days, in, yeah. in and you see the history of the deeds, there's always a covenant in there. No blacks. Often no Jews. Mexicans all live down uh, be on the other side, literally on the other side of the tracks in an area they used to call Tunerville down there by Brunswick. Tunerville? Tunerville. Tunerville. Oh, Tudor. Yeah, Tuner. Tuner. <laughs> Tuner. Tunerville. Tunerville. Yeah. Um, I did not know this. I, I do know that I am one of about three Jews in my town, literally, because when it's a Jewish holiday and we go to Ralph's and we try to get a challah, they only, <laughs> they only make two, and there's three of us. So one of us doesn't get a holla every year. Well, if you say holla, it means something different. To that. <laughs> one uh, of us has to run to La Cunada to go get a holla. Holla. So. <laughs> Uh, when when I was growing up, my best friend, one of my good friends, who was a great guitar player, was Matt Slavic. Okay. And he was a, a, a Jewish friend of mine. There were a couple people who were there Jewish were, in there. Yes. So how did Jews, that happen? Well, and and all of a sudden he turned thirteen and had this thing oh. called a bar mitzvah, and he got all this money and he bought a Gibson three thirty five guitar. I said, Where do I sign up for this religion? You know, I grew up in Presbyterian, and you, all I knew is that you. Uh, the only sacraments of the church were uh, the potluck dinners on Sunday and ambrosia salad. <laughs> ambrosia is a gross thing. Oh, I'm God. sorry. Uh, marshmallows and Seven Up and it's a fruit. <laughs> is there Seven oh, Up in ambrosia? My mom used to put Seven Up. It was, is that they used, true? She used to make it in a hollowed out watermelon. <laughs> And, and they would put, you know, like like what, Seven Up and marshmallows and fruit. So hanging out with all those jazz guys did not make her cool. Well, you know, she was a. a, a I I didn't know that vegetables had any flavor till I had a black girlfriend in college. <laughs> you know, because you can imagine growing up in Glendale, I wanted no part of white women. <laughs> I was wow. done with all that. That so, uh, is that is so extraordinary. So I found out from my friend Sheila Dabney, amazing actress who won the Nobi and everything. Wow. Um, she, uh, uh, I went, you know, I would eat at her her folks' house, and uh, vegetables have flavor. I was surprised, and so you know. Now Phil I'm, told us. Phil Rosenthal told us the same thing. Somebody feed Phil. He's got a great food show, and uh, and uh, yeah, he would say his mother had a setting on the oven that was shoe. And that was where she cooked everything. Overcooked vegetables. Yeah. Salt and pepper were the only seasonings that I remember. Right. He, yes. The first time he had garlic, he said, what is this? Yeah. What is this wondrous <laughs> white thing? Yes. Yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> it's amazing. I mean, I was very picky eater when I was young. Now I will eat the brains from Monocon. The monkey oh. brains from Monocon. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Not okay. literally. So, I don't think they offer all right. So you had this very vanilla um, beginning. 
Where did music happen? Did you well, wait? What was the first thing you wanted to be when you grew up? Well, I started playing piano when I was four. My, oh, I, and so I, I I got piano lessons from a great teacher, and uh, and she she taught me theory as well as uh, as well as the, the notes and everything. So did you appreciate that? Then? Yeah, I did. Well, really? I, I I didn't want to practice. That's okay. what I just didn't like doing with practice. Mm -hmm. But then the Beatles came out when I was in sixth grade, and or no, I, I think fifth grade or something like that, fifth or sixth grade, and I started playing guitar. So then I became a lead guitar player, and then I came back to piano when I was in, uh, in college, and got into musical theater, and... Uh, okay, I was gonna ask you about that, because you are very theater-centric. So, uh, were, you in, were you in school plays? I was in, a lot, well, I was at LA City College, theater okay. department. And LA City College had the best theater department, I mean, better than the universities back in the 70s. Wow. My, <clears throat> my classmates were Diana Canova, um, uh, just just before Diana I went there, Diana Canova ought to be in pictures. <coughs> Diana Canova was in Soap. Diana Canova yes, but was wasn't, in. Uh, wasn't she and I ought to be in pictures? Uh, maybe I'm getting that wrong, but anyway, I, I know exactly I, who I, she yeah, is. I, I yeah. love her. Anyway, she's Judy Canova's daughter. Okay. The the famous, uh, which is only baby boomers would know that. And, mm. and, uh, but uh, um, uh, and uh, Debbie Gravit, Debbie Gravit, um, who was a Tony Award winner, was nice. in there just before I got there. Mark Hamill. A um, wow. guy named Bruce Kimmel, who does musical theater all over the place. Um, uh, before, years before me, Paul Winfield, wow. Alexa Smith had gone to that uh, that wow. school. So, and I, I used to do plays, but then they found that I could play the piano, so I was in the pit, um, uh, music directing shows oh. and figuring out how to do that. And so I realized music was what, what I was going to do. So then I went to their music department at LA City College, and uh, then just started working in the business. I was. Like very often, like the, the the only white guy in a in a ghetto rock band, ghetto soul band and stuff like that. I bring so, did you ever have to have a day job? Um, not since college. No. You know that that is so not my story. But I I love the fact that you've been able to live your passion all your life. That's very inspiring and wonderful. Well, there's been times when I've uh, I've way envied people who have full time you know <laughs> normal employment. The lean years, yeah. yeah. There's the lean days, of course. But, uh, but yeah, I just I just started working and doing, and, and the key was, you know, I mean, I could sing and I could play, so I did piano bar for many, many years. Ah! Which, which was crazy, and uh, and played piano at the comedy store back in, the, in 77. Okay, so I wanted to ask you that. Was comedy always part of your repertoire? I'm not sure if it if it meant to be that way, but I ah. gained a lot of friends from comedy, you know, from, from when I was doing Because when I was playing the comedy store, mm -hmm. it was in 77, so Leno was there every night, Letterman was there every night, um, Tim Reed, um, uh, Tim Reed was Venus Flytrap on, oh. on WKRP. Okay. And he he was had a comedy team with Tom Dreesen. Yes, Tim and Tom. And Tim Tom Dreesen thought he was going to be taking over the Tonight Show, and that didn't happen. But, oh. uh, but that's uh, but Tom was great. I mean, every these guys were great every night. And, yeah. And I would sit there and play. Uh, you know, Jeff Altman decided I was his uh, his. Uh, 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 he he would say, "This is my uh, my accompaniment, uh, my accompanist for twenty years, uh, Mr. John Jizz." <laughs> <laughs> and he go and one night he just said, "I've I've been out of material for the last ten minutes, so we're just gonna sit here and see the piano stylings of Mr. John Jizz." Go. <laughs> so I just started playing. I was like, you know, I. I it, I was 20-something when that happened. You know, they used to pay me $20 a night to play from 9 to 1.30, which was 20 wow. bucks more than the comedians. I was got. just going to say, because the comedians back in those days, when it was, it was like a $5... 
I mean, they only had a, a five or ten minute set, but it was five bucks. If you got five bucks. I don't think during the time didn't. I was yeah. there, nobody got anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was, you know, they somebody eventually. They started later in the 80s. Well, That's what got them the Steve five Steve Lebetkin eventually jumped off the riot house roof, um, which, which convinced Nipsey that she should pay people, I think is what happened. Wow. Lubetkin and Evans was a, was a comedy team, and wow. Steve jumped off the roof. Did he literally jump off the roof? He jumped off the roof and killed himself off the roof of the Hyatt House. The Riot House, he used to call it. I actually think, wasn't that, I think that was in that HBO show. I think they had like sort of a version of that. I love the, the HBO show. The story is in a book called I'm Dying Up Here. I'm, di I'm Dying Up Here, which is what the, the, what the show is based yeah, on. Jim Carrey's part of it. It's loosely based right. on that, yeah. but it's not the, it's loosely based on that, but the real story is in a book. I can't remember the the comedian who wrote the book, but it is compelling as hell. Oh, I have to read it. Yeah, yeah. it was a, it was a crazy. I mean, it was huge. Uh, it was just starting. It was just at the beginning of the comedy boom, and I got to play. You know, I I would play uh, uh, for forty five minutes while people were finding their seat. I would play and sing, <laughs> and I got. I guess that was one of the reasons I was able. I, I I don't get too nervous when I play because I I was nobody cared. Nobody was listening. I could just work on my own. So I actually fell asleep one night when I was playing. <laughs> I was playing uh, uh, um, uh, Just the Way You Are. That would put anybody to sleep. No, <laughs> no, no, it's a good song. No, it's a great song. But I was saying, I go, don't go changing to try and please me. You never. <laughs> don't imagine. <laughs> I actually fell asleep, but nobody it's noticed. <laughs> So when did you start putting the funny in the music? How well, did that happen? Because I had a theater background and mm -hmm. I used to write, you know, musicals and stuff. We used to sit around and, until all night. You Castle was not your favorite music. Was not your first musical? Oh no no! I mean, I wrote other ones in college and stuff that, that we did and, and everything like that. But that then, were produced. Yes, and then then I just started working in the business. I also um, was really lucky uh, around the I don't know seventy seven or something like that. I I did this crazy thing called. Uh, Playground, which became some of it was kind of an est kind of thing. Ooh. It was it was kind of nutty. Um, uh, you know, it was during that time when when uh, you know uh, you were doing things like that. And I uh, wasn't, but yes, and, I was smoking dope and, and well, I did I did my share of that. But I, everybody tried to get me into everything. They got oh. me into that one, and I met uh, a, a dear friend of mine, still a dear friend, Felice Mancini. Uh huh. And uh, Mancini? Mancini, as in Mancini, yes, Henry's daughter. Henry had two daughters that are uh, twins, Monica and Felice. Monica is a, is a, is a recording and concert artist, and she uh, became that later in life, but we were all session singers. So I got into doing session singers on movies. The first, one of the first things I did was sing on a Carpenter special with the Carpenters, and, and John Davidson was on there too, and Ella Fitzgerald was on it, and, and uh, uh, so that was great. And then I just sang on a bunch of Henry's movies. I sang on 10 and SOB, and you know, uh, um, uh, Victor Victoria. And okay, so Michael Norrie told a fabulous story with us. About that, Henry? Um, yes, because um, Blake Edwards cast Michael as the lead in Victor Victoria on Broadway, and so Henry Mancini was scoring it, and so he was, was the, the, the composer of note. Uh, the, what do they call that? No. What is it called in Broadway? Well, he was the, the, the songwriter and composer. Yeah, yeah the songwriter and composer. Yeah. So he called Michael one night and he said, okay, I'm going to write a song for you. So he said, um, what key do you sing in? Are, are you a tenor or are you not? Michael said, I don't know. And he said, okay, do you read music? And Michael said, um, no. And he, and he said, 
how did you get this part? <laughs> he, said, he said, because I invited Blake and Julie to come down and see me with Sandy Duncan in, in South Pacific, and that's how, and, uh, and Henry insisted that he call him Hank. Oh, yeah. And um, so anyway, he wrote this showstopper song for, for Michael that he got to sing on Broadway. Yeah. Henry was very ill during the, the making oh. of uh, Victor Victoria, and he died before it got got on I think uh, or just shortly after oh. but I was so lucky to know him because he, even even after Felice and I split up we're still friends but he was still a person I could go to as a mentor and ask questions and he would say oh, you know, come put, on. Pit, put pit strings on that boy and stuff like that and I you I, had Henry Mancini as a mentor well he, he I, I have scores of his I have an old uh, uh, some one of his conducting batons I mean what? I was very oh, lucky because Henry was just an extremely generous person, and not only in music. I mean, he was just a brilliant uh, musician and composer, but also great food. You know, really? on a great food, Cuban cigars. You nice. know, I mean, and and great wine. And you know, Henry wow. was just a guy who loved everything about life and, and loved his family and and uh, uh, you know, a prince of a guy. And, and there's very few great great men that you'll meet in your life, or great women. And and he is That's one of them. I was true. really lucky. That is so inspiring, and that's something, I, I think we talked about this last week or something, the important, do you mentor anybody, Gary? I, well, my daughters, maybe, as well that's, as I can. That's worthy, <laughs> that's very worthy. But yeah, I mean, I actually am teaching now, for the first time, I'm teaching at LA College of Music, I'm singing a pop vocal workshop, and, and so I'm you know, trying to impart whatever wisdom I've, I've learned. That is so important and so worthy. The value of mentorship, we were talking, I can't remember when we were talking about this a couple of weeks ago, but oh, with David, we, we wild, we were talking mm -hmm. about this, and I had asked him, because he has been in these incredible situations with all of these rock stars and everything, and I right. asked if he mentored, and he said no, he really, he said that every time he tried to help somebody, like he would give them their big break to write the big story for Rolling Stone, they wouldn't do it. They wouldn't turn it in, they'd wow. be late, they'd be, you know, like people would kind of crash and burn at their big opportunity. But, um, but huh. mentoring, and it's certainly for someone like you who had someone mentor you who was so meaningful to you, you have a lot to impart to. Well, when you work around great people, you know, you, you, something rubs off. And, you know, uh, I think, you know, when you, most of the jobs that I got, in, in music, writing, or whatever, it was like I would say, I, yeah, I can do that, and then I'd have to learn how to do it. I love that. You know, because you have to figure Cause it out. Because you never say no. Right, you don't say no. You just figure out how to do it, and uh, you know, I got to, I, for years I used to uh, ghostwrite for Lalo Schifrin. Because I got that, because Henry, uh, I, I, we knew Lalo through Henry, and Henry uh, Lalo needed somebody who knew how to work what was called Lindrum, which was uh, okay. Uh, I don't know who Lalo. I'm still sitting here waiting. Lalo Schifrin is bump 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 And also he wrote one of the one of the great TV themes. What is that from? Mannix. Mannix. Oh my God. Yeah, and he wrote a lot of other stuff too. I was mad from Uncle. I didn't watch Mannix, but, oh, but okay, but I know this, but I know the song. Um, 
the, the music. Oh. But anyway, so I got to, so he needed someone younger who could do synth stuff and, you know, synthesizer stuff and electronic stuff and, and rock stuff. So I got to write a lot of stuff with him. We worked, I worked on Sudden Impact with him. Jesus. And got to, to, uh, to co-write this song with him, although it was ghosting, so I didn't get credit, but the song. Sudden Impact, Clint the, Eastwood, yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Clint Eastwood, and the, the end song was with Roberta Flack, and we brought her in, and she recorded it, and, and it was great. It was really fun. I mean, oh. and again, Lalo needed the things that I was doing, but he was such a great composer that I could learn from what he was doing, and you know, uh, so it was great. I mean, you know, there, this happens a lot where you know guys get too busy and they need someone else to do mm -hmm. this or that and stuff like that. So I worked on Peck and Paw's last film. I worked on Osterman Weekend, which was uh, which I did some music on that, and and Doctor Detroit was I think the first movie I worked on with worked with him on. It's it's life is so cyclical and serendipitous because um, Michael Norrie actually turned down Sam Peckinpah to do Flashdance. Oh, really? But he was cast in a Peckinpah film. I can't remember which one. Well, his last film I think was this one called Osterman Weekend. Very, yeah. very. Wild. This was bef yeah. before the end. Well, could be. Um, yeah. yeah, that Michael was, uh, but. Yeah, everything. Is I don't even think of Michael Norrie is that old. I'm really surprised. And, uh, does every guest have to sing uh, some enchanted evening to you now? <laughs> so you know I, they're going to have to sing something. Some enchanted evening, <laughs> you may see a stranger. Oh, you even have like the Ethiopian. Yeah, awesome. yeah, that's, that's really cool. Um, okay, so so you've you've worked with incredible people. So let let's start. Ha okay, so you're you're playing piano at like the comedy store. At the comedy store. Yeah. And and you're in your twenties. And how how are things progressing from there? Well, because I, I worked with uh, with you know I had taken composition and taken counterpoint in college and stuff. Mm -hmm. So so when I got with Lalo, I just started doing uh, you know writing music for different things that he was doing, and then there were also other people who would hire me to write music for television, small television stations. Okay, there was what's the first like gig that you got? Like as a singer or as a composer? Either. Like, what's the first paycheck you got more than that twenty bucks? Like. As a musician or a composer. Uh, well, I mean, I I used to do you know dress up in a tux and do wedding casuals and stuff like that where you made a couple hundred you know. Okay, so like so that, so. that the, there's yeah. there's no dishonor in this, but the first time you got like a TV or. Well, I think it was either that Carpenter special or or uh, uh, for singing wise it was the Carpenter special I believe, and then I did a bunch of Henry's movies and then I think for composing it was. The stuff with Lalo, and then I, I started writing music for uh, you know this local television station, com this company that did it for all over the. You know they like you know you know uh, Channel Twelve or something else, you know, or or the uh, you know Wichita, you know, it's like all those things. And then uh, you know I was still working as a singer, doing TV and film and 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 uh, um, commercials and stuff. And then I, I uh, somehow I don't remember exactly how, but I got hooked up with. Um, uh, this company that this guy that did uh, this guy Andy Sedaris. Andy Sedaris was the first director for uh, was the director of Monday Night Football. Oh wow! And his wife was Aunt Ar uh, Arlene Sedaris, who was the producer of the Hardy Boys mysteries and the Nancy mm -hmm. Drew mysteries. Mm -hmm. And he figured out during this whole deal where you uh, where the video came out, he did these soft R. Uh, no, hard R movies. Soft like, R. I call them. Being... I call them tits in action, okay. and they would always play okay. on Showtime stuff eventually. Uh -huh. But but it was like they would go directly to video. They were all Playboy playmates in the roles. 
It was like this woman, oh, Donna, that must have Donna, been Spear, Donna Spear and Hope Marie Carlton were um, um, drug enforcement agents on Molokai. And so, and, and, the, and they would, you know, they're... I'm sitting here in judgment. I, I apologize for my judgment, by the way. Victoria Valentino, of, of one of I the... I love Victoria. Right, right? Victoria, yeah, yeah. Playboy, yeah. Centerfold. Absolutely. She's a beautiful woman. She's a wonderful performer yeah. and, and person, so... And she's very bright, yeah. so I take back my judgment. Oh yeah, I'm ashamed of myself. I mean, and and so and so they were drug enforcement agents on Molokai. Okay, but that and is they really drove, funny. They rode a plane, <laughs> and it was like there was like. But here's the way it would go: it would be like you know, what are we gonna do about this? Uh, you know, this drug dealing this guy. You know, is it, we have to do something about it. Well, we have to think. And they go, <laughs> well, I do my best thinking in the jacuzzi. Naked. Oh, yeah. Of <laughs> so they do a whole jacuzzi Aww. scene, and rather than doing like sexy music, I do really happy music in there because I just. <laughs> It was funny, so, you know, and, and uh, my, there was one line, uh, there, there was this guy, um, Rodrigo Obregon, who's an actor that you might have seen, he, so he was dating, um, oh, uh, uh, what's her name, uh, uh, Olan Jones for a while. Do you know Olan Jones? I, why do I know that name? Oh, she's great. She's a great actor. She was, you know, she used to be married to Sam Shepard, and, oh, and, wow. and she, she was in, um, uh, you would know her from... Um, uh, uh, that Edward Scissorhands. Edward Scissorhands. Yeah. She was she was the one the crazy neighbor would play the organ. In okay, I have to, anyway, I have that, to think about that's, it. I saw that's peripheral to the story, but okay. um, but uh, uh, she uh, so Rodrigo was a bad guy, and he mm -hmm. spoke with an accent, and this woman goes, "My ideology means more to me than fame and fortune." Ooh. <laughs> okay. Well, it's like you know, and and then the jacuzzi scene. <laughs> And after that, I got into doing music movies for uh, Corman. So Roger Corman, I did one uh, called uh, "Dance with the Damned." Of course, you did. And that was that was a, a kind of a serious vampire film that was one of their first art films. They did a whole thing called uh, the, with Corman went into art films for a little bit. So he it played, did. It played the L.A. Film Festival. Yeah. Wow. Because when I think of Roger Corman, I right, think of, the exploitation, yeah. 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 But and then he, then he, because they had the same set. This was a, it was a vampire who had a conscience, and he would only kill people who were suicidal. And it was this gal who worked in a strip club, and they had the strip club scene. They had the strip club set, and they said, "Okay, we'll do a sequel of an old movie that was that Kay Lenz was in called Strip to Kill." So I, did I love Kay Lenz. Strip to Kill Two. <laughs> so that was you know that's how the Corman thing. And then from Corman, I started doing TV. Okay, so uh, what's the first TV thing? Big TV thing. Um, let's see. Well, the biggest TV thing was when I did Sabrina the Teenage Witch in the middle of the Okay, before the Sabrina, though, I'm assuming oh, Pop Rock came The greatest first. thing, well, that was a performing thing. But yeah. The best thing was when I met Penn and Teller in, in 1990. My friend Stephen Banks, who does a, who, who is in The Aristocrats as Billy the Mime, okay. he, does, he does the joke and mime. He's a comedy writer. That's how I met uh, Penn and Teller, and uh, I became friends with Penn. And, and they said, "Well, you know, we're doing this NBC special." Uh, does Teller you... talk? No, he talked. No, Harpo Marx was mute. Absolutely, <laughs> it's showbiz. <laughs> I know. <laughs> but uh, anyway, Teller is very articulate. Mm -hmm. um, but you know, if you're in, a, if you're in. A, if you're in an act with Penn, you have two choices. Be quiet or don't be heard. <laughs> yeah. Huh. So, uh, so, but, uh, so I did this, so they asked me to do the music for this NBC special they did called Don't Try This at Home, mm -hmm. which we shot in New York. And uh, so then I started, I did their second Broadway uh, show, uh, the refrigerator tour. I did um, uh, a show that 
Pope Ravenza was in called uh, Phobophilia, which was a, uh, a British special about love of fear. And uh, then we did uh, a show called uh, Sin City Spectacular in 98, 99, which was a variety show. Live variety show, live orchestra, that was one of the first Emmy nominations because we did original musical opening numbers and one of them featured Jennifer Holliday from, um, wow. from uh, Dream Girls singing this song called uh, Freedom.com, which was about not censoring the internet. And we had a stage-sized computer and, and a stage-sized screen and a choir, a, a gospel choir with the <laughs> at symbol on there. On the and it was <laughs> nice. like, uh, and, and the, these dancers typed out the First Amendment and you could see it go on the screen. And wow. because it was 1998, we had our friend Michael Godot jump from the trackball onto the enter, onto the send button, the enter button, you know, the return button, and and then you heard the, you know, the sound of a modem, uh -huh. twenty eight baud, twenty eight hundred baud. There used to be a, there used to be a sound. Yes, when there yeah. were ashtrays on the tables and yeah. <laughs> Right. Yeah. But uh, so that was that, and then uh, also through Penn and Teller, I met Nell Scobell, who uh, who was the showrunner and the creator of uh, Sabrina the Teenage Witch, and so I got a chance to uh, to do that, and it's a couple other. Nell things today, her. by the way, I just saw on Meryl Marcos' page, Facebook page today, Nell has a story that just came out in Vanity Fair about being one of the boys. She was on the Late Show. Nell was here for Women Who Write. Right. And. Um, uh, she was. She just wrote she a was, book, she, and she was on the Letterman. Uh, she was oh, yeah. one of the. Oh yeah. Yeah, and took a lot of hmm, and um, yeah. yeah that's so, a great article. I read that. Yeah. I haven't read the article yet, and but if there's a book that goes along with it, I'm gonna have to have her back. Yeah, I can't remember the name of the book, but it, just look her up and look the book. Yeah, is yeah, great. yeah. So um, yeah, so so Nell's the one who got you into Sabrina. Nell got oh. me Sabrina the Teenage Witch because she was uh, working on it at the time and. Uh, so then from there, I did a horrible Wait, before, before you do Sabrina, oh, yeah. go back. Oh, Cop Rock. I want to hear about Cop Rock oh, okay. because I love Cop Rock. Well, that was, that was what they were hiring real singers to do the, to do the parts in the show. They didn't want to hire actors and, and have them dub, although there were some great singing actors in it, like your friend Kathleen Wilhite. Amazing. And, uh, but we got really lucky. On the first episode, I got hired as a drug-dealing cop killer. <laughs> I didn't think I'd get it. I went into audition. Mike Post was doing the music. I knew Mike because I'd written... A song that had charted with a guy named Stephen Geyer, and uh, he had written with Mike. Uh, Believe it or not, I'm walking on air. I love that song. Yeah, it's a great song. But he'd written he'd, a couple other things before, and he and I wrote a song called "Safe in the Harbor," which went up to like oh 122 on the record world charts and okay. stuff like that. So, uh, so through charting is charting. Yes, and so so uh, <laughs> through him, I got to know Mike Post, and so I went in and auditioned and got cast to do this thing, and. Uh, it was, I was the guilty guy in the courtroom scene. So Carl Anderson, the great Carl Anderson, who was uh, Judas in uh, Jesus Christ Superstar, uh -huh. an amazing actor, amazing singer, amazing human being, was the, was the judge. And a guy who I'm singing with this weekend, um, uh, Lewis Price, was the bailiff. And he goes, he's guilty, oh, he's guilty. I can see it in his eyes. He did the crime and now he's got to pay. And so I sing this line, I was abused as a child. And it, it's sort of become a little bit of a, uh, of a pop, uh, uh, you know, kind of... Legendy. Legendy thing because it was on Beavis and Butthead. 
Our, oh. our our scene was on Beavis and Butthead, and they were sitting there while I, you know, while I was singing, and he, I saw him, you know, it's like he go, <laughs> look at that guy, he sing, they're <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> laughing at, him. you know, so that was really cool. That's was a, really cool. A little cool. bit of zeitgeist there. That's <laughs> really cool. Beavis and Butthead makes you famous. Oh, yep. everything old is new again. I love it. Hey, you know, I my career has been a moving target. You know, the the story of, of I guess anybody. In showbiz, is you got to stay a moving target. You know, it, it, you you have to be able to adjust and go wherever you can get paid, wherever you can get recognition. Okay, so your big recognition for those days, Serena the Teenage Witch. Right. So you got you. So how did so you knew somebody? You know, because everything in life is like it's who we know, right? right. It's, it's so much about who we know. Most people don't even know a teenage witch. <laughs> Most people. By the way, I just want to say happy birthday to Ted LaPlatt. Um, I love Ted LaPlatt. Hi, Ted LaPlatt. Yes, and it's his birthday. It, I, I, I wish him a happy birthday today. He's a lovely guy. And Stephen Kalinich is watching, and he's I saying... Love he's um, a great poet. Do you know Stevie, don't you? I love Stevie. Yes, he's I great. love Stevie. I just saw him Monday night at, uh, at, at Chad Watson's birthday party at the Cowboy oh, Palace. And I love Chad Watson. Yeah, I saw Chad's him at awesome. Nam, and, yeah. and I have to have And they had back. so many people getting up. They had uh, Ronnie Martin got up and sang, oh, and... Uh, and, and um, uh, uh, Chad was oh and and J T Thomas was playing keys who played with like everybody from Captain Beefheart to yes. Bruce Hornsby I mean it was it was an amazing group of people and wow. and and Stevie got up and did this poem probably the quietest that the Cowboy Palace <laughs> has ever been I mean they're actually two stepping through the whole thing you know I through his poem no, no oh. through, the, through everything else that they were quiet for Stevie <laughs> that's very nice Stevie wrote a lot of stuff with the Beach Boys yes he wrote yeah, with Brian Wilson yes he's absolutely. amazing yes he yeah. is. Um, okay, so back to you. So we're back to teen, to Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Yes. Um, so what? Then was I did a horrible show after that. What? But, well, you, but you were nominated for an Emmy for that. Yes, yeah. I was, no, not not for no. Sabrina for oh, the next okay. thing. Okay. But but for this next show I did. Uh, there Wait, was, for the horrible one you were nominated for an Emmy? No, no, no. Oh, I'm just going to tell you a quick story about the horrible one. Okay. It was these guys and said there was going to be a show called Time Travelers 2000 or something like that. And it sounded great. And I said, oh, yeah, it's going to be good. It should be kind of like contemporary uh, electronic music. And then they finally come and they want me to do the show. And I tell me, they tell me what the show is. It was not Time Travelers 2000. It was Team Knight Rider. Not one car that talked. Four cars and a motorcycle. <laughs> That's hot. And they really wanted to have David Hasselhoff in it, but he wouldn't do it. So they had Smart moments. Man. They had moments where they were meeting him, but it was some other actor oh, from the back. That's just sad. That's <laughs> pretty bad. It was yeah. a horrible, horrible show, and finally, you know, it went away. But after that, you know, I'd been working with Penn and Teller. I'd done a number of TV ah. things with them. I did mm -hmm. another NBC special for them, or ABC special actually. And then uh, they, they got the idea to do a variety show. Now, variety shows were dying. There was no variety shows anymore. What, what we were ever at Sullivan, 98, 99. Oh, yeah, no, no, no variety. Right. Then, yeah. um, so, we did, so we did a show called Pan Teller's Sin City Spectacular. Live variety show shot in sequence like the Ed Sullivan show. Wow. And their philosophy, which is mine as well, what? is there's only, there's only one show biz. Ballet dancer, lap dancer. It's all showbiz. So, you know, you would have, you would have uh, Davis Gaines, who was playing the Phantom at the time, singing a, a song from Phantom. Yeah. Next to my friend Todd Robbins, who you should know, who's amazing, um, uh, who, who uh, hammered uh, nails up his nose. And I should know him why? Because he's a, a he's an authority and a and, and On nailing? No, on, no. on carnival, on, on carny stuff. 
Wow. Yeah, and he's a, he's a he's a full on scholar on it, and he also was the host oh, of a, of a one of those unsolved mystery kind of shows that was on. I can't remember which which uh, network it was on, but so when he does really well, does he yell nailed it? Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, please. he also he also on broken glass. He also eats. He has eaten live cockroaches. He he can he blows up a water bottle, hot water bottle until it breaks. He eats light bulbs. Um, uh, it, it's it's he's he's pretty pretty amazing. He's an amazing. I have to guy. say though, I I am a lover of the carny. Yeah. Um, I I am. I it it freaks me out, but I'm incredibly drawn to it. Um, Gabe and I used to go to we we loved. He was a stand up comic, and so we'd go to different towns when you know when we'd find like the car the carnival in town, like the local and the freak show and all of that stuff yeah. was like gone my favorite. Yeah, yeah, gone. But well, so is Ringling Brothers. Is that, that they, they went Well, that, you know, just all that, that, yeah, that inhumane stuff with animals, just craziness, yeah. and, of, and I'm glad that they're gone. But, but the freak people were actually making money, making more money when they were doing that than they, than they could afterwards. When they made that taboo, it was not good for the people who had those kinds of, uh, of physical uh, deformities. They can actually make more money doing that. I guess that's true, but but yeah, it, it's a really fine line. The animal line thing is right. The animal, yeah. But the guy, but the people who were doing that, I regret. I mean, there's a whole town in Florida called Gibtown. Yeah. Where a lot of them retired to. The freaks. Yeah. The freaks and geeks. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Really. So Uba Gaba, might... one of us. You know that the old Todd Browning movie? Mm-mm. Did you ever saw freaks? Oh, of course I saw freaks. Well, I saw freaks, but I saw freaks like I was stoned. I was—I believe I was tripping at the time. Well, you shouldn't. Be. Yeah. So I can tell you not, nothing that I saw except it was purple and green. But um, wow. But I—I I wanted to actually. I—I I got to go back on the train for Ringling Brothers on, on the train where everybody lived. Wow. You know where they Oh, uh, because a friend of mine was like doing marketing for Ringling Brothers back in the eighties, and I decided I was going to run away and join the circus. It was nineteen eighty, and I really wanted to run away. I thought that was the sexiest life I had ever seen. They sleep in a thing that is this big. They had like one drawer mm -hmm. for their stuff. Mm -hmm. Everybody sleep. But it, there was something so romantic about the whole thing. Right. It was amazing. Right. Especially from afar. I from imagine. afar. <laughs> yeah. It, it didn't smell good. Right. All the, but but right, right. It, there was something very sexy about that whole thing. I really wanted to, and I wanted to be a clown. I wanted to run away and go to clown school and Sleep in a little box on a little train. Right. <laughs> that sounded really good. Well, uh, yeah. Well, Steve, Stephen Banks, my friend, he met um, that I met that I met Penn through. Mm -hmm. He knew Penn because they had they he had met Penn and they had both been graduates of Clown College. Oh, I, I'm s really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, the scholar on on this life would have to have gone to Clown College. Right. That only makes sense. Right, right, right. And and, and Todd. And Penn Todd went to was clown a guy who grew up in, in Orange County and just just had a love. For, for carnival stuff and uh, and turn it into a whole career. He's had shows on in New York and stuff like that, live shows. Um, carnival Knowledge was the name of his uh, carnival show. Carnival Knowledge is yeah. cute. I'm the yeah, little yeah. Carnival Knowledge little. <coughs> He's brilliant. He's really brilliant. Um, Okay, so so you did the pen and Gillette, the pen, the, you did the... We did yeah. Sin City Spectacular. We had guests on there like, uh, you know, uh, uh, um, there was one horrible, horrible night when Judd Reinhold was on and could not walk and chew gum at the same time. Really? Yeah, it was kind of crazy. I like Judd Ryan. <laughs> no, he's a nice guy. A very nice guy. Uh -huh. But uh, uh, I'm trying to remember all the things. That... Wasn't Judd in oh, uh, Fast so... Times in Ridgemont High, wasn't he? Yes. Yeah. Yes, of He was course. great in that. Yeah, I loved yeah. him yeah, in he that. He was great in yeah. that. Yeah. But, uh, okay, what, anyway, well, 
So I, so because of this number we did with Jen, with Jennifer Holiday, it got nominated for an Emmy, and then they hired me to to uh, music direct the Creative Arts Emmys that year. The Creative Arts Emmys is where they ghettoize anything but best actor. Best you don't director. get on TV with that stuff. <laughs> right, You're right, the right. night before right, and right, the right, little right. dinner. That's a little right. sad. Yeah, right. yeah. And then I used to I I used to uh, uh, write co-write with a, a great guy named Jack Lepshner parody songs that they would do on the uh, Spirit Awards. I did oh, that nice. for about five years. Because that's the the dress down Oscars where everybody went to have fun and get high before the. the well, our guest out. last week, David, while was writing the Spirit Awards, uh, he was busy doing that last week, and they were over the weekend. I missed them, so I'm gonna have to catch them on the internet. Um, well, I, I were they the past weekend? Because they used to do them the day before the Oscars. Oh, maybe it's this weekend. Maybe I didn't miss it yet. Because they used to do it the Saturday oh, before the Oscars. I hope and I they didn't. Did the big I, tent down in Santa Monica. You're right. You know what? I think it's this weekend. Oh, I, I hope I didn't miss it. I have to see it. I think you probably yeah. haven't. I'm excited. Okay, good. Okay, so so you did that. So um, okay, so what else? So t tell us some celebrities, some celebrity chit chat. <laughs> oh god, you got you got know. some good stories. You know, it's like it's like when you come up with a with a song. Uh, oh, I do have one. Okay, cool. That happened on uh, on Cindy Cindy Spectacular. We had Tracy Lords on there. Tracy Lords was a porn star. For those of you well, who are too young to know, yeah. But the thing about por about Tracy Lords is yeah. that she was a porn star when she was underage. But she oh. lied about really? it to the producers who had hired her. So at one point, and, and you know, she had had false documents and everything like mm -hmm. that. And she actually um, caused people to be jailed or fined because, of, because she then came back afterwards and said that they knew and they didn't. So she, she, you know, because she, she, she supposedly, she, she supposedly reformed herself. She supposedly was out oh, of the porn she, game. Oh, did she, did she like get fine religion or something? I could have You lied to me. I you thought told my phone me. was off. Yeah, you went. Uh, um, oh, well. I'm so sorry. That was so unprofessional. It's. But it's my friend Jade. Jade, you called me in the middle of an interview. It's okay, because um, look, we're in my living room, so it doesn't matter. But, um, uh, so, so she, yeah, and, and Penn and Teller were not very happy with that, because, you know, we, we did a whole number with French Stewart called Hooray Pornography. <laughs> we're, we're very pro-pornography. Pro-porn. And, and when, we had, when we did it, we brought on um, uh, uh, Ron Jeremy, who I've been naked in a hot tub with, and, uh, that um, was way too much information. <laughs> solving well, there were crimes. Other, there were other people. Wait, naked. what? Naked in a hot tub, solving crimes. Well, yes, exactly. Time to think. He's a porn star and he's a cop. Um, but Chris uh, Pena. Hi, Chris Pena. 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 I said, why did I say Pena? Because I'm, I'm, I'm giving him the, the, the little the in, the, the, tilde. Yeah, I'm giving the him the tilde. Yeah. Um, so, Pena. so anyway, they, they were, a, you know, but she was booked on the show. Was going to be so. She had been trying to reform her image, which was I'm no longer porn. She'd been Didn't she Christianized. Didn't yeah, she find religion or something? Yeah, she'd been Christianized So, so Penn, Penn and Teller got this whole bit that they were going to do because they would take a, a person like that who wasn't like talented in some other way and do a, a magic trick with them. Okay. You know, there was a bunch of people they did that with. Um, uh, so they do the magic trick with them, and it's a whole thing, and they're doing, they're spinning the whole thing to, so you were in a coffin, and you were naked in a, in a grave, and they were rehearsing, and she goes, don't say naked. Oh, come on. Tell him. So then, they had, okay, so they try to go on with the bit and everything like that, and then, um, we, we heard uh, something about, uh, uh, I guess their mic was left on a little long, and she was going, I can't see she was like freaking out because they said naked in the in the thing, and then this is a girl who had multiple cool, dicks in her mouth. One, I, mm -hmm. And quite well, did quite well. 
but uh, but then she uh, some crew member mm -hmm. came up to her with a copy of Playboy that she was in and asked her to sign it and said, "That's it. I'm done. I'm leaving." So she so she left the show, you know. So they had to punt, and I think I guess, I think they replaced her with um, with uh, Pamela Anderson or something okay. like that. Okay. <clears throat> but um, so uh, uh, they had to call her because in the contract you have to call and say, "Please come back." So I was in the room while Teller was going on her message thing. Please come back. We'd really like you to come back. Please, Tracy, we'd like you to come back. They were quite glad that she wasn't. Clearly. Yeah, because she was just no fun. Wow. That's I mean, so... she made her, you know, whether you approve of porn or not, she made her bones in showbiz. <laughs> in showbiz. <laughs> there's nowhere you can go with that. That's right. There's no, there's no escape <clears throat> in, in that, that. And, and to, to deny it and to try and, and you know, I mean, the, the least you can do is have a sense of humor about it. I would think that would be a yeah. good thing. All right, so it's talking about a sense of humor. So Bukowski, the musical. Oh God, that's um, skipping a lot of years. So, oh wait, so is it so highlights between that and Bukowski? Well, the the next big thing with Penn and Teller was Penn and Teller bullshit, and I did Penn and Teller bullshit for eight seasons. Wow. And uh, that was the other thing I got the Emmy nomination for was the theme, and uh, the theme was very popular. Just somebody just rapped over it. It's on YouTube. There's a whole oh. somebody did a rap over the. Uh, nice. Theme, the Ben Teller bullshit theme, but that was a great show. That was really fun. We had things on there like uh, our friend Chris Magaha, who's a fine actress, um, uh, went to an ecology fair and got a, a, a petition to sign to, for everybody to sign petition because we're, we have found out that there is this chemical in air, almost everything that you eat and drink, and it's in your body right now. It's di uh, um, uh, dihydrogen oxide. Okay. H2O. <laughs> but everybody signs it because, you know, nobody thinks. Everybody, it's all emotional decisions and those things. So there's a, there was a lot of great stuff they did on that show. And um, uh, so that lasted eight seasons. And that's a nice, that's a nice, was a nice steady thing. chunk of change. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's nice when that happens. And, uh, you know, along the way I got to sing on a bunch of different movies. I got to sing on, uh, uh, um, uh, well, recently I did Star Wars Rogue One. And, uh, and the Star Trek Beyond movie, and uh, I can't remember. Okay, so tell us about the this shoot for the. I know I'm jumping ahead. We'll we'll go back a little bit, but the Justin Timberlake, Chris Stapleton. Oh thing well, had... yeah. So I so we got uh, I, we got hired to to go and do this shoot with. Uh, it's a show. It's a song called uh, Say Something, and you can find it on YouTube. It's a real. It's a fabulous song. It's a really good song, and it's a wonderful video. And it's Chris Stapleton and Justin Timberlake. Mm -hmm. It's all shot in one camera shot. The camera I follows him throughout the whole thing, up and down elevators. It's the set is amazing. All this, and they had they had all the musicians around. I don't know if you know the Bradbury Building, but the Bradbury Building is this incredible uh, antique-looking building mm. on downtown LA that they used in Blade Runner. It's been in a thousand movies. Gorgeous. And um, uh, and so. They followed everybody around in the camera, and all the musicians... They were, were like, going up in an elevator, like a all, lift. All the musicians were around, mic'd, so it was all live, no playback. That's crazy. And the, and the singers, there were, there were, what, 20 or 30 of us uh, in the chorus, and we all sang live, and uh, wow. it, was, it was an awesome day. It and, and it's a great video. It's it came out fantastic, it's fun, yeah. and it's a wonderful song. Yeah, it's That's great. very exciting. Yeah, it was very so exciting. How, how does a gig like that come along? Well... 
if you're a session singer in town and you've done some work, you know the contractors in town who contract these things. And mm -hmm. one of the contractors in town, Edie Lehman, called me to do it. You know, so, uh, uh, well, uh, uh, now, you know I'm doing something this weekend, right? So let's talk about that. Okay. Well, I'm, I've, I've done the Oscars before. And uh, the first time I did it was way back uh, when It Goes Like It Goes was um, from Norma Ray. Oh, wow. It goes like a goat, like the river flows. That's a great So wait a minute, great that, that's not the one where she said, you like me, you really like no, me? No, no, okay. that was actually, well, she, I, that may have been the Academy Award she won. Was in Norm, she Norm did Norm win Ray. for Norma Ray. So I think that was the you like me, really like me. I think yeah. it might be. Yeah. But anyway, we sang on that, and, mm -hmm. and I sang on one other one since then, and then uh, we also backed up um, uh, Adele in 2013 for Skyfall. Nice. Yeah, it was really nice. So what? What? But we, we were behind it. We were behind a curtain of Swarovski crystal. Oh. So we, we were forty guys behind a curtain of Swarovski crystal. You could barely see us. Oh. Thousands of dollars spent on the chorus, <laughs> and you could barely see us. Well, you could hear you though. Yes. You that could. was the. the right. that, I think that's what they hired right. you for. So what is that experience like? I've been to the Emmys a few times because Gabe was nominated. I've never been to the Oscars. Um, most of us haven't. So, what is that? Experience well, it's security like? up the yin yang. Yeah. I mean, you 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 go in in the morning on Sunday, and you uh, you know. You how do you to, even get? How do you even get there? Well, you have to drive in a particular side, and you know, because since it's been at the at the Kodak, which it was uh, when we did uh, uh, it for um, with Adele, and then mm -hmm. now, you know, they blocked off all of Hollywood Boulevard right. around the thing. So you have to have a special place you can drive in. Your name's on a thing, and you know, you can't take pictures. You know, they'll, do they, do they there's take no posting phone? from the. Do they confiscate No, I don't your phone? think they confiscate your phone. But uh, you know, if they saw you using it, right, uh, you, you would either be fired or some horrible thing would happen to you. You know, because uh, they're very, very security conscious. Do you get a goodie bag? Uh, no. No good. We're just bad? tired. You're just tired. But do we do get to hang out. You know, it's like the Saturday night rehearsal. The, okay. Before the before the thing, uh -huh. you know, you hang out and people are rehearsing. So I remember I was walking out and Barbara Streisand was coming out to sing the song she was singing in last year's, or not in that year's um, um, Academy Awards. So you know. So how how are people are people stressed? And I guess Saturday night people aren't stressed. The Oscars are not something that I think a lot of the people are stressing about really? the performers because, well, I mean, the, the people who have to sing or perform in that way, but not the, you know, like Russell Crowe's walking back say because, you know, they yeah. just got to read a teleprompter basically. Well, uh, right, the, award, you know? right, those guys. But people that have to sing and perform. Oh, yeah, well, sure. Yeah, it's a pretty, normal thing. It's a pretty high stakes. Well, we're, we're, I'm singing, I'm, I'm uh, backing up with a bunch of other singers, uh, Mary J. Blige, on the song from Mudbound. Nice. One of the fun movies of the year. <laughs> That's a tough movie to watch, but it's a great one. I mean, it's really amazing. I, I have to get through it. I, we had a couple of opportunities to go to screenings with Mary Jane. We, we opted for other things because I kept trying to watch Mudbound on, on Netflix, and I kept getting stopped. It was just so... And I like dark, but it was yeah. so... Well, yeah. and, and, and I, think, I, I think one of the reasons I, I got into uh, be able to do it was because they wanted to have a little more, it was a gospel choir, but they wanted a little more diversity, or as, mm -hmm. as, uh, as, as, as Sally said, uh, uh, our contractor, reversity. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I get to be the old white guy. In, nice! In, okay. In the, uh, but I look a little too much like, uh, like Jonathan Banks, who plays the bad guy in it, so I don't know, maybe somebody <laughs> will, will not like me in that, but uh, um, yeah, so it, it's great, and, and the singers... Who are singing on it are uh, some of LA. You know, LA's got the greatest singers in the world. Is that true? Yeah, I mean, uh, it, my friend Orrin Waters is in it. Who, who um, uh, uh, is uh, 
one of the waters that you see in the 25 feet, 25 feet, 20 feet to stardom. You know, 20 feet from stardom. Oh, 20 feet from stardom. Oh, yeah. I love that movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's great. And you know, just just the the, the people in LA that sing are are amazing people, and I'm lucky enough to be a part of them. That's a pretty. Uh, you've led a, a very. Um, all I, over the place, life. <laughs> yeah, but I love that because it, it, it all relates. It, it, it all comes back to the music, but you've had a very varied career and it, on so many different platforms and, and continue to keep reinventing yourself to go along with, with life. Yeah, yeah. So if you, if you had to impart, <coughs> this show is called The Road Taken, and in the old days when we were in the studio, Louise and I would sit down after you, you the guests would leave and we'd do a last segment by ourselves and we'd decide what the tools we thought that person used, what, what the main tool, uh, what the takeaway is from that person. So with you, Gary, what, what do you think? You're here with us. What, what would you say is the thing that has sustained you? What is the thing that has helped you the most to move through this life that you've chosen? What are the things, if not well, one? <clears throat> I have a lot of friends in showbiz who, uh, who um, you know the definition of a friend in showbiz. What? Someone who would never, ever fuck you over. Except for that one time. <laughs> but no, I have a lot of friends who, who have other skills that they could do and could make money on. I don't have any other skill that I can make money on. No plan B. No, I have no I plan B. I believe in no plan never, B. Never got a plan My dad used to say, who was a very successful lawyer, he said, you know, you got to get a bat, you got to get something to fall back on. But I always knew I'd fall back if I did, because I'm very lazy by, by, mm. you know, by, by nature. So... You know, the the deadline work was really good because when I had to do something and it had to be turned in, I had to get it done. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, you can procrastinate. And, you know, I mean, I love singing. I love playing. Um, it's I got to do something I love. There are times when I've cursed it because it's been difficult or the work hasn't been there or, you know, and uh, but most of my career, I haven't really had to hustle because I kind of... You have you know, a rip out there. Well, it's not so much of, of who you know. It's who you are so that you meet people mm -hmm. that you might that might want to work with you. Okay, here here we're going to the thing. So it's it's the way you are when you're working with right. people. It's that you you have to be easy to get along with, you have to be dependable. What what are the things that that make it, people come back and call Gary Stockdale? Well, I I I think part of it is um I mean, and I had my arrogant times and stuff like that, and I, you know, paid for that when I when I thought I was too big for my britches and stuff like that. You know, you learn. You you learn by being slapped down enough times to realize that you know you're. Can you give us an example of that? Oh gosh, I think I was on. I think I just you know when you're younger, you 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 tend to get more hot headed about certain things if they're not right, mm -hmm. and then eventually I think you figure out, you know what, you either want to be so good that being a squeaky wheel is a good thing. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like if you're just so amazing. It's like, uh, like I guess the whole thing is like Lalo and, and Henry said about leading an orchestra. If you lead an orchestra, you've either got to be unbelievably great or humble enough to let them want to help you. Wow. I like that. Yeah. So if you're Leopold Stokowski, then you just, you know, you're just this imposing mm -hmm. presence and people will do what you say. But if mm -hmm. you're not... You know, if you, you know, you need to get the people on your side. You need to get the people you're working with on your side. I, I feel like I'm a type B personality, but when I have to be a type A, I am. When I'm leading a group of musicians, you know, I, I'm able to, uh, to, to, but you have to keep it light. You know, you can't be an asshole. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's don't be a dick, don't be an asshole. <laughs> Those are my two showbiz uh, maxims. Those, that's really good advice. That's excellent advice. I love that. Yeah, both ends. Don't be a dick, don't be an asshole. <laughs> 
Stay somewhere in the middle. Yes, right. Oh, Be a taint. <laughs> oh! Ah! There's my new slogan. Be a taint. Um, okay, so so there's a new there's a new CD. Yes. Keep letting go. So, and he's naked, as Louise has pointed out on the cover, and dressed on the. Well, cover. I think there's nothing sexier than a 65 year old topless man. Preach. <laughs> So uh, I have to. I, I want to uh, give some credit for on the, on this album. My producer, Greg mm -hmm. Prestepino, okay, who is a person that you should probably have on Women Who Write. He's he's an amazing guy. He his uh, one of the first things you would have known him from is he did all the background vocals on Midnight at the Oasis. Oh, and he was good Maria friends Mar with Maria Mar, and uh, and he used to work and produce with Andrew Gold a lot. Okay, you know who Andrew Gold no, is. No, I don't think um, so. Uh, oh, what a lonely boy. Oh. And Andrew was also in a, in a, in a group called Brindle with um, Wendy Waldman and Kenny Edwards. I've been trying to get Wendy Waldman in the living room you for a should. long time. You should. Time. She's amazing. So, so he, he, he's a real pro. He, he wrote, um, ain't nothing gonna break my stride. Ain't nothing gonna hold me down. Yeah. With Matthew I Wilder. I love and Matthew that Wilder song. Matthew Wilder got the hit on it. And uh -huh. he's written a ton of other things. For uh -huh. films, TV, for records, and charted. And he has been a friend of mine for years. Um, and we sort of bonded at a SAG meeting one time because he was also a SAG singer. Mm -hmm. And we realized that there were all there were a lot of SAG singers I loved very dearly. Yeah, Dan Navarro. I used to do Spanish record dates with Dan. <laughs> my Spanish is pretty good. So we haven't had Dan on the show. We haven't had Dan on the yeah, show. Oh my he, God. Just, he just has a new album out now. I, I know he does. Well, skin. we're going to have a day here with him and Steve Postel oh, and uh, and the other Dan. Steve Push played on. on. Steve played on one of the tunes on this. Nice. We're going to have the two Dans and Steve. I do a Women Who Write book because they have three CDs coming out between them. Exactly, yeah. and Steve's working with everybody. All these amazing, unbelievable. Yeah, he's yeah. one of my dearest. I, I actually I knew Steve back in New York because I needed to. I needed a studio to go to to record something when I was working on that first NBC special, and a friend of mine referred me to Steve. So. I was able to get the thing done, get on the train, and get up to Irvington in time. It was one of the, thing, the big things that made me fall in love in New York. Because you could actually get get places, you know. It was not, it was, not you didn't, the traffic didn't affect the No, it was, it was tra oh. yeah, yeah, train trains, right. 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 Well, Steve I don't know from trains. I grew up in Glendale. Although I, the red car was The wasn't, white Glendale. The, the red car was in existence when I was a, a kid. The, the, the streetcar. With um, the, you know, I don't know the, about with that. The, with the... The the, uh, the 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 thing above the thing, the thing above the thing yeah the the wires that used to go yeah. wow yeah. I've, I've seen that in San Francisco well you, you well, would have seen it in Roger Rabbit it was it was uh, okay. they did a lot I don't of remember work. but that's okay yeah. but Sorry. Steve Postel walked down the stairs of the Rock and Roll Cafe in 1986 when I was booking it and that's when we met wow you guys go then. way back we go way back wow yeah, long time um, okay so so you're gonna play something for us I so you're, so wait so you're charting. I, I, you're charting on two places. You're you're charting on the um, adult contemporary. Yes. But there's like another chart that you're charting on. Yes, right now. I, I know. I should know more Wait, about that stuff. I, 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 I have think I wrote it down. Oh, where is? I, I don't know. Goddess. I thought I thought I I thought I wrote it down, and now I can't remember where. It, I can't know. I don't know where I wrote it down. But you are. You're charting yes. somewhere else. Yes. 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 A couple different places, and and, and, and a couple of the songs are are now. I I if I do the song that I think is charting, it's not a comedy song. Now, are you okay if I don't do a comedy song? Wait, oh, do the song that's charting. Okay. Let, let's have it. What's it called? Yeah, well, I th there's one called. Um, uh, well, let me see. I'm trying to think. Keep Letting Go is, is the title song of the album. Okay. So the album is doing well. And then also uh, there's one called You Don't Know that has been charting and one called uh, On the Edge. Now, On the Edge needs keyboards. 
Okay, so, so do the other one. Okay. You don't know. Okay, I will. Okay, so we're gonna we're gonna go out. Gary's gonna go over to his little corner. Yes. And he's going to uh, he's he's gonna he's gonna go to his corner and he's gonna play us out. Are we going and, to have uh, Louise again while I'm in the corner? Are we gonna have what? Louise again while we're in the corner? No, we, 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 we're gonna have you. We're okay. gonna have you. And uh, and and um, and we're gonna see you next week. I can't remember with who. Um, I could tell you if I look. Um, who is going to be with us next week? Allie Willis. Oh, wow. Allie just uh, is getting inducted into the Songwriters Hall. Of course thing. she is. Yes. She's amazing. So she is amazing. And we love Allie. Yeah. And um, yeah, so next week we'll be, and we're going to be at her house and the House of Kitsch, Ooh. which is. Oh, I know. We ride Are you going to do a tour? You have to, I haven't, but I've seen pictures of it. Right? I've been there and I've gotten the tour and we'll see if we can move with the, with the, with the camera. And, Absolutely. And yeah, we need the steady cut. We need the steady cut. Just a video. Absolutely. <laughs> But Gary, thank you so thank much. You, I adore you. Vice versa. Thank Vice you so versa. much for We love Jicky Abelson. <laughs> thank you. All right, do I go so over there? So go, go to your corner. I'm going away now. And, and tell <laughs> us again what it's called. And ha wait, how can people get the CD, Gary? Oh, well, it's on it's on Amazon. It's on iTunes. It's on um, uh, uh, everything, every way that you could get music. But it's also on Spotify. If you're uh, now, but Spotify isn't good for musicians, I hear. <clears throat> like, you only get 25 cents a Nothing something. is good for musicians as far as music sales these days. Because yeah. people, you know, unless you're in the higher echelon, music sales, you know, uh, most of the time, uh, your, you know, your CDs, those things are, are, they're basically souvenirs that you sell at live gigs. But, oh, God. But an individual song can do well and it can be licensed and all that stuff. So that's, you know. So this song, the good thing about this song is the people who it's about, don't really think it's about that. <laughs>
conspiracy so clearly You think everybody else is blind You swim in deep reverberation The echo chamber of your mind To you But you know.